Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. You know, one of the things going around the community was that he's a monster and only a monster could do these kinds of things, which I don't think is wrong. But at the same time, having knowing him growing up, I didn't view him as a monster. Hey guys, welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting across from Alexis Linkletter and next to Billy Jensen, who's got some purple socks on. That's right. Do you always wear a festive sock? I Not necessarily festive. I, I don't consider myself a festive person, but you Are know you what? serious? Did you see yourself during <laughs> Halloween for the entire month? That's yeah. his holiday. He, you're not a festive Christmas person. Uh, not really, no. Just I, a festive Halloween person. Yeah, I love uh, all holidays. Yeah. I do too. But you know what? Today is December 4th and it's actually National Sock Day. <laughs> Sick. What it really is, is two days past my birthday day. Well, I want to go back to National Sock Day. Yes. All right. Sorry. Fine. Back, I think this might have been in our Bundy series, but I'm just going to throw back to a fun fact that Ted Bundy was obsessed with socks. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me, go Google it. It's fucking terrifying. But that's my little tidbit. With socks. Yeah. Well, Ted Bundy used to also wash paper plates, too. He did? No, that's that meme. You haven't seen that? No. Yeah. Have you? You might be high, but you're, are you <laughs> are you high enough to wash paper plates with Ted Bundy? And there there's a picture of Ted Bundy and a woman, and they're kind of posing in front of a sink, probably at a party. Yeah. And, and she has a plate in her hand that's clearly a paper plate, and she's like pretending to wash it. Oh. Uh, this Talking about my birthday was better than that. <laughs> this is a meme. I don't really like birthdays, but did you want to talk about it? No, no. I just thought you guys would be like, happy birthday or oh. something. We did a whole birthday celebration for you. You don't get a birthday week. You get the one day. But not even like a th- happy birthday. That was fun. <laughs> okay. Happy belated birthday, Alexis. Thank yeah. you. Happy birthday, Alexis. There is a, also, I just have to say, some of these days are weird. I don't know how they get. Can we do like a first degree day? Yeah, we can probably set that up. Like, how does Wear Brown Shoes Day become a day and First Degree Day can't be a day? Maybe we can submit it, but it has to be a reason. Maybe the day of our first episode can be First Degree Day. We did do that for Lady Gang. Yeah. So mm-hmm. make it a day. We can just go in my my own shoes. Is that the right saying? No. Nope. Walk in your footsteps, you mean? <laughs> yes. Or go in your own shoes? <laughs> oh yeah. God, I can go in my own brown shoes. Yeah, go in right. your own brown shoes. Totally. All righty. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. 
and turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. There's an undeniable regalness about Montana, and it shakes loose visions of simpler times. We've got mountains, the open range, and stunning views. However, there are complexities woven deep into the fabric of this state. Ask anyone to describe Montana, and they'll mention the big skies, the wide open range, the enduring and self-controlled, unshakable cowboy culture. But like all of the world's wonderful places, Montana comes with equally great trade-offs. Today, we're taking you back to January 29th of 2012. The song topping the charts was Set Fire to the Rain by Adele, and the top film in the box office was The Devil Inside. And the setting is Billings, Montana. And Billings' nickname is Magic City because of its rapid growth when it was founded as a railroad town in March 1882. The city of Billings has a bunch of antique shops and wide streets, but it's still very much a cowboy town. And on today's episode, we have something different for you. We actually have two first degrees who sit on opposite sides of this case, and their names are Chester and Kennedy, and you're going to be hearing from both of them throughout this episode. And this story starts on January 29th of 2012, when the Billings Police Department received a concerning call. And this call was coming from a concerning young man named Paul, who worked at Albertsons with one of his best friends, a girl named Rose Edwards. And he was worried sick because she had not shown up for her shift. And here's Chester, who, by the way, is Rose's brother. And he's a he's a great friend to Rose. Uh, Paul was somewhat of her best buddy, and uh, when she didn't show up the next day, I believe it was Paul who uh, was suspicious and concerned. Now, Paul and Rose were not just coworkers, but they were very, very close friends. They were in touch daily, whether they were working together, working a shift together, or not. And Rose kept him updated on most of the happenings in her day-to-day life. And Paul insisted to the police that Rose would never miss a shift without notice. And beyond that, he'd made multiple attempts to call her and she hadn't answered for nearly two days, which was not like her. And like most 22-year-olds, she had her phone glued to her. Again, this is in 2012. And Paul told them that Rose lived with her little sister, Daisy, who was 21 years old, and he hadn't been able to reach her either. And Daisy and Rose were more than sisters. They were best friends. Rose was 22 and the middle sister among her brothers and sisters. And Daisy was the youngest of 21. They had three other siblings, two other sisters, and their older brother, Chester. And the Edwards family, they were originally from North Carolina, but they moved to Billings in 1998, and all the kids remained there through high school. The whole family was close, and even as the group of siblings began to grow up and move out of the house, they stuck around in the same areas as each other. Some even lived in the same apartment complex as each other. When we were, me and my three sisters, when we were young, um, Rose and Daisy were always really close. And yeah, Rose and Daisy were great friends. Daisy was our the youngest sister. She's really uh, artistic. She had a um, really uh, gift for art. She's kind of a particular person, though. She, uh, she kind of had the artist temperament. And then Rose, Rose was a very intelligent person. 
somewhat of a bohemian, honestly. Uh, kind of uh, in our family, I, I've always been seen as the rigid person. Rose was really the, the color outside of the, the lawn type of person. Paul gave the police the address of the apartment that Rose shared with Daisy, and police went there to conduct a wellness check on the two sisters. When even when we got older and we started going our own our own way, um, we we did live pretty close together. We said, like at one point, we we all lived in the same apartment complex. So to reiterate what Chester just said, he was living in the same apartment complex as Rose and Daisy, as were other family members of theirs. So it was at the Ponderosa apartment complex where Daisy, Rose, and their family members live. And it's also where the police arrived to do a welfare check the morning Paul called to report that he was concerned about his friend Rose. And the complex is tan and green, and it sat on a bright green sprawling lawn. Each unit had these giant windows that you could see from the street. And on the periphery, there were picnic tables, there were playgrounds, and these little cute communal areas. The Ponderosa has 120 units that were mostly inhabited by families, and the property occupied an area only slightly smaller than a city block. And the police parked and entered the complex and approached unit number 133. At approximately 11 a.m., the police knocked on the door. They were met with silence. They knocked again and again and were met with more silence. They couldn't hear any activity on the other side of the door. That's when they made their way into the apartment. And once they were inside, they noticed a pile of blankets in the middle of the floor in the living room. And it was under those blankets that they found Rose and Daisy Edwards. This discovery was met with pure shock. Shock from the police who showed up at the apartment expecting to find two young 20-year-olds who decided just to not answer their phones for a few days. Shock from the family members, some of whom lived in the very same complex as Daisy and Rose. To be honest, I felt like time kind of stopped. I knew something bad had happened, but I wasn't sure. Uh, my mom said something's happened that's not good. I need you to come to my apartment. So, yeah, when I got over there, uh, they didn't have a lot of details originally. They said uh, my two sisters had passed away. So as Chester is being delivered this very truly earth-shattering news, he's not given any details as to how or why or who or what or anything about how his sisters died. Word of Rose and Daisy's deaths spread slowly at first. Bits of pieces of information were being released, and the police didn't release their names right away. But while Billings is the largest city in Montana, it still feels very much like a small town. And people were finding out, little by little, word of what happened in apartment 133 was spreading. But initially, people were left to speculate about what happened. And with Rose and Daisy's family members not having answers, their minds sort of ran wild with the possibilities, too. What explanation could there be for two of their loved ones to be dead without explanation? Um, probably that they committed suicide. I, um, it's not that uh, either of my sisters were seemed prone to suicide or, or had been struggling with suicide or anything, but maybe they decided to commit suicide together. Uh, not knowing what to think, it was like, well, I mean, I, I don't have any other reasonable ideas. They didn't have any known enemies. Like I said, despite not having suicidal tendencies, it's like, well, that makes the most sense, I guess, is I have to come up with a theory. So Chester didn't even think his sisters were suicidal. But when his brain was tasked with having to come up with an explanation for what could have happened to two of his sisters in the same evening, this is where his brain went. And it's also worth mentioning that Montana has the highest suicide rate in the entire United States. For every 100,000 residents, 22 attempt 
suicide. So it's not a crazy thing that presented with this reality of two of his sisters being dead, that that's where his brain went. But Rose and Daisy hadn't died by suicide. And slowly the details of what happened revealed themselves. Rose was gagged and bound. And both of the girls seemed to have countless stab wounds. Minimal effort was made to conceal the crime. Like we said, they were just in the middle of the living room covered in blankets from their own home. The police immediately launched an investigation. As soon as Paul, who had made the initial call to the police, realized that Rose had been harmed, he told the police about a text message that he had received from Rose on about 3 a.m. on Friday. And this text said, quote, this guy Drew is at my apartment and causing some problems. So bottom line, they need to bring Drew in for questioning. That was the immediate priority. And Andrew Scott Denning, Drew, he was easy to track down. He was 20 years old. He lived in his parents' home with his girlfriend, infant baby, and two sisters. And this is where our episode's second first degree enters this story. This is Kennedy. Yeah, I was in school or had just gotten out of school and saw it on Facebook on an article. You know, this was still the time of social media, so it was it was all over. Um, and the first thing that popped up was his mugshot, and I was like, holy crap, that's Drew. It was shocking. Well, my brother and Drew first met um, like fourth or fifth grade. My brother and him were best friends until um, about six months before the incident happened. And I went to school with one of his sisters, and then he had a younger sister who went to school with our youngest brother. Having two families that were similar in ages with their kids was kind of a drawing factor. And so when I would be with my brother, we would always hang out with Drew and his sisters. So that's how Kennedy knows Drew. Let's get back now to Rose and Daisy and their relationship with Drew. All of Daisy and Rose's friends and family knew Drew. He wasn't a stranger. He had been reasonably close with the girls for a number of years. And another thing about Drew is he didn't look threatening. He was really tall. He was 6'3". He was only 20. And he was a new father. In December, just a couple of months prior to when this occurred, him and his girlfriend, Kelly Ann Murphy, had welcomed a baby girl into this world. His Facebook at the time had dozens of pictures of himself holding this baby in the hospital. And the album was called The Best Thing to Ever Happen to Me in My Life. But then in a different album, there were many photos of him holding and posing with various knives and a sword. Denning had been a member of his high school anime club. Is this guy a walking contradiction? Is this their guy? Could he have done this to Rose and Daisy? They weren't sure because this guy seemed harmless. Drew was at our house a lot and my brother was with him a lot growing up. They were both kind of weird kids. (laughs) They were a little quiet, um, into anime, kind of nerdy. He had always been kind of a, he dressed in really dark colors. He had longer hair. Um, so as he got older, he got more intimidating, I would say. I mean, I think he was like six foot four or five. You know, we knew about his mental health issues and he had a seizure disorder. So we knew about that when he was growing up and as we got older because he was with our family a lot. I'm pretty sure he had been diagnosed with bipolar and like severe depression. Um, I know that he had um, like scars on his wrist from prior cutting, um, things like that. He seemed to get darker and more withdrawn, and he and my brother were definitely not as close as they were. 
Now, we've already explained how Kennedy knows Drew, but it just so happens that Chester, our other first degree, knows him also and separately from Daisy and Rose. The other thing was he worked for the sister company of, of the pizza place I was working for at the time. He worked for him very briefly. And uh, so that's how I knew him. He was, so you could say he was a coworker. He's just an odd duck, to say the least. I think I had only been acquainted with him one time. It was one time when he had get, given Daisy a ride or something. And I had bumped into him at Daisy's apartment. So I think I shook his hand. And he, at that point, was just technically acquainted. And I'd heard about him. I heard the girls talk about him for quite a while. He, it was odd because it was like, well, it's a small world. Uh, he started working for the same company that I was working for. So now we know a little bit more about Drew. And Drew, at this point, is in interrogation with the police. Once the police had Drew in an interview room, he was guarded but cooperative. He acknowledged that he had actually been at Rose and Daisy's apartment that Friday, but he said he was only there for a few minutes and left at about 1 a.m. on Friday. In fact, he said he'd only been there for like 5 to 10 minutes total. He went on and told them that this visit with the sisters at their apartment was the first one that they had in over a year. They were good friends, but would sometimes go long spans without seeing each other due to just being busy, living life, and also that he obviously recently had a baby with his girlfriend. And meanwhile, the news was spreading, and it started spreading quicker. Daisy and Rose's family were learning the details of what happened. It was a huge shock. I was very confused and frustrated. Uh, so I think we got a call the next morning, early the next morning, and then... Um, and they said it was a homicide. And this would be soul-crushing news for any family, but it was especially awful for the Edwards family because they were just particularly close. And the Edwards kids were homeschooled for much of their lives, so their siblings were actually just were best friends with each other, as well as being brothers and sisters. They attended the Gospel Baptist Church, and they partook in things like bowling and church overnighters, and they did everything together. They were super, super close. And even when the Edwards clan started to grow up, they stayed very, very close by. Both of the girls sort of worked together, did art together, and getting their own apartment really is indicative of how close they were. And they were also self-sufficient in supporting themselves financially at pretty young ages. Rose had recently bought herself a car, which she was really proud of, and each of the girls were incredible artists. Daisy focused more on art and hoped to pursue a career in art, while it was more of a pastime for Rose, who really focused on bands she loved. She loved the Rolling Stones. She loved My Chemical Romance. Rose was also pursuing a career in mental health, and she was sort of striving to become a therapist. But beyond their separate interests, the most notable of everything, Rose and Daisy looked out for each other. When the two would start arguing in their thick Southern accents that they still had from living in North Carolina, they'd always come back to each other. They were a unit. They were best friends. Rose and Daisy's mother said the following during an interview with the Billings Gazette. Marie Edwards said that her five children are her whole life and make her life worthwhile. She said that two of her babies were taken from her, her Rose and her Daisy. She said, quote, you might as well have taken a part of my heart out. And the only thing that gives me solace at this time is knowing that my daughters are in heaven. And we all know that the devastation of murder reaches far beyond just the loss of life. And it's an especially difficult one when family is as close as they were. 
So let's get back to the interview with Andrew Scott Denning. At this point, he's sticking to his initial story that he was at the apartment for about 10 minutes visiting the sisters on the Friday before they were found. And that was it. As they have Drew in holding, they learn that he'd actually been released from a psych ward just two days prior. He was released from the Billings Clinic Psychiatric Center on January 25th, and he was also taking prescription medicine. And it turns out he had been diagnosed with depression at age 12, and also with bipolar disorder and a seizure disorder. And it also turns out that when he went into that psych ward on January 23rd, he had actually admitted himself because he was having suicidal thoughts. So during Denning's stay, psychosis was noted, and he was prescribed Ambien, Zeprexa, and Depakote. But it turns out that he only took the Ambien. He wasn't taking the Zeprexa or the Depakote. The police were questioning Drew and had him sort of in custody and they were looking at him as a suspect. And it didn't take long for Chester and the rest of the Edwards family to hear about this. And remember, Chester knows who Drew is. And once he heard that Drew could have been responsible for what happened to Rose and Daisy, he realized that he had gotten a really strange feeling about this guy when he had met him off the bat. So here's Chester describing what his initial impression of Drew was. The type of person to do something like this, uh, the type of person that have been overlooked in high school or on the fringe of society his whole life, I have deep frustrations with that. The fact and resentment and then a desire to, to get what he wants and do things. That, the type of people, if you can't make them famous, they're going to be infamous. Yeah, somewhat of, somewhat of a low life that, uh, that wants their day in the sun. So as the police were investigating, they really wanted to know how Drew and the girls were friends and what their friendship was based on. And maybe it could give them a clue as to how and why these murders occurred. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words then phrases and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, 
that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree 50 and use code degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree 50 at factorymeals.com slash degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on the realreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Rose and Daisy's friendship with Drew was based on shared interests. The girls liked anime, they loved art, and they loved going to concerts, which Drew also loved. And as Please spoke to friends of both Drew and Rose and Daisy, people pretty much described him as one of two ways, either a little odd, a little strange, or harmless. But regardless of people's opinions on Drew, we're learning that he's not harmless. He's clearly dangerous. And they would learn just how dangerous he was when they brought Drew's girlfriend in for questioning. There were alarming things that she said in the interview. Drew had no idea that she had also been brought into interview in tandem with him. So he was in one interview room and then she was brought in after. And it's when she started talking that a picture was painted about this night and how these brutal slangs unfolded. So Kelly said that Drew left their house late on the night in question and was gone for most of the night. She said that when he came home, he had acted a little odd and then first confessed to doing something really bad. And with some probing and prodding, he actually then admitted that he had had sex with Rose. Drew then changed his story, saying that one of the sisters offered sex in exchange for pills, which was Ambien, but then he changed his mind and wanted cash. And when the sisters didn't pay... He killed them. She was horrified. And Drew wasn't even done talking. He then told her how he killed them, that he'd stabbed them to death. And at this time, Drew had no idea that his girlfriend was being interviewed and what she was telling the police. And according to court records, when he found out, he said, quote, book me now. Honestly, book me now. That's all I can say. And when asked why he killed Rose and Daisy, Drew said he didn't know. And the records state, quote, I don't have an honest answer why I hurt either one of the girls. Drew was arrested and booked into the Yellowstone County Jail on suspicion of two counts of deliberate homicide. His bail was set at one million. Is your correct name Andrew Scott Daniel? Yes, Your Honor. 
Okay, Andrew, you've been charged uh, in this court by a complaint and affidavit with count one deliberate homicide and also count two deliberate homicide with weapon enhancements, both felonies. Did you receive a copy of that complaint and affidavit? I hear your honor, yes, I have. Okay. The state is going to recommend bailing out $1 million. Uh, the basis of this request is primarily due to the nature of these offenses. Uh, Your Honor, I, I don't mean to interject, and I, I apologize to the state, but just to let the state and the court know, we will not oppose any bond recommendation at this time, and we reserve any arguments before Judge Gustafson. Okay. I will set bail of $1 million cash for surety, based upon the information provided to me in the complaint and the affidavit. I have reviewed to find that there is a cause to hold you, at least at this time, on these charges. News of Drew's arrest really spread like wildfire throughout Billings, and no one would stop looking at, talking at, focusing on the Edwards family, and the media attention was a lot for them to take, given what they'd just lost. And as the details slowly came out, people started hearing what Drew was saying, and people were disgusted. Those who knew Rose well claimed that she was a virgin and that she was waiting for the right person. And this notion that either of them would have sex in exchange for Ambien was ludicrous. And these falsehoods from Drew were the tip of the iceberg in terms of the circus that followed these murders. And here's Kennedy, who grew up with Drew. This crime stands out because Drew killed two sisters and they were in the same family. They were a year apart and they were brutally murdered. Um, I know... One of them was stabbed over 130 times in clusters all over. Um, and the other one was beaten and strangled. And he tried to clean it up and then just left. I it was definitely that this is scary and jarring, but eh, maybe it's not that surprising. You know, I think it's just something that when you're that close to somebody and your best friend for years, turns out to have murdered two girls, it just rocks you and, and rocks that friendship you had for so long. The other thing that I think about with this too is that their family also lived in the same apartment complex. So they could see people coming by the apartment after it happened, trying to peek inside to see the crime scene. And I just, I can't even imagine what that was like. And what it felt like to still be in that apartment complex after something like this happens. And here's Chester talking about the media circus he experienced following the loss of his two sisters. Yeah, it was hard for quite a while. It made us feel like uh, celebrities. I have people sometimes tell me how, how ask me how life was going, and I'll tell them that that happened to me, and it really brought a lot of people down. Autopsies were performed on Rose and Daisy, and the findings were nothing short of disturbing. So Rose's autopsy found that she had died of a stab wound to the neck and had also been beaten and choked. Daisy Edwards had been stabbed 34 times to the face and more than 130 times total. One of the officers on the case, a detective, Bucksbaum, said, I've never seen that many stabbings in a case. And he said that he's investigated more than 100 homicides in Billings. A toxicology report was conducted and there was evidence of Ambien in both of the girls' systems. And Ambien was also a big part of Drew's statement and his side of the story, saying that Ambien kind of fueled this entire thing. 
So we asked Chester what he thought about this. The only thing that I uh, could ascertain would be, um, I do think he's probably telling a lot of truth in that. To, to be perfectly honest, one of the things about the girls was they would use pain pills and sleeping pills. They weren't hard drug addicts, but to be honest, they probably did abuse uh, over-the-counter medication sometimes. So I'm under the impression that he, that there was some sort of exchange for the girls who were supposed to pay him for Ambien, and uh, he was going to give them some Ambien and bit to... He felt shortchanged or that the girls didn't pay him what they agreed they would pay him. It's really not surprising that people were angry, hate-filled, and really, really upset about what had happened to Rose and Daisy. And a lot of that started to be taken out on Drew's family. And their house was vandalized shortly after. Um, I think it said killer and then I think the number of the apartment the girls lived in um, and they had to get an order of protection it's a small community so finding out where somebody lives or knowing where they live because you know these people isn't hard. I know that his little sister was bullied a lot in school when this was going on. I can't imagine um, being the parent of a child who murdered two sisters and being from the same family, it just, I can't even wrap my head around it. And Rose and Daisy's brother, Chester, had also heard about the vandalism that had occurred at the Denning home. It didn't make me happy. I, you can't take it out on, on his, uh, his family. Like, I, I believe it was his father and his sister. It didn't change anything. But, uh, I mean, they take it out on his family. I, I mean, I don't know, I assume he has, had deep-rooted family issues, but as far as I had heard, or I can't necessarily let that reflect on his father and his sisters. And so it doesn't make me happy to, for his family to be targeted. And everyone in town was struggling to wrap their heads around how this happened. And they kept landing on the girl's innocence. They had grown up sheltered. Remember, they were homeschooled. And, you know, when you homeschool your children, you're trying to you know, you think the education system is not going to serve them. So that's one of the reasons. But another reason is, is for safety. But there were other two contributing factors that came to mind as well. And that was that the mental health system in Montana is essentially in shambles. And the shortage of those working in the mental health field is well known and widely reported. In 2012, the year when this happened, there were only 146 licensed psychiatrists in the entire state of Montana. And in some areas of the state, there's only one psychiatrist serving a vast multi-county area, which is crazy. And like Alexa said, in the state, about 22 people per 100,000 residents die by suicide, which is nearly twice the national average. You know, mental health in the state of Montana is still definitely something that's kind of a taboo subject, uh, especially the further east in the state you get because you get more rural um, and you have older generations in this area. We have this mentality, this cowboy up mentality where you have to be tough. You don't talk about your feelings. And I know we go back and forth with another state with having the highest suicide rate in the nation per capita. So it's definitely something that we don't talk about here and isn't addressed the way it should be. And it really needs to be. I mean, this was 2012 that this happened, and it's 2019, and it wouldn't shock me if something like this happened again because of the mental health issues in the state. 
So regardless of whatever track record Drew had for mental illness and whatever diagnoses he had in terms of mental illness, it didn't stop his trial from moving forward. And it actually took two years for the trial to start. Yeah, it was kind of an overwhelming feeling because all these articles started popping up with his face again and him at his younger age and two years later. And, you know, he still looked the same. He still had the same tall, slender, skinny build. Um, And it was just this feeling of being older and really understanding what had happened and what had transpired and the implications of that. You know, one of the things going around the community was that he's a monster and only a monster could do these kinds of things, which I don't think is wrong. But at the same time, having knowing him growing up, I didn't view him as a monster. I viewed him as somebody who made a horrible, terrible mistake. But I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that Drew, who I had known since I was a first grader, was a monster. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. By the time Drew's trial approached, his story had changed yet again. Now he's saying that he doesn't remember the entire night in question because of the Ambien he took that night. He says he didn't have any recollection of what had transpired at apartment 133. So most likely, under his lawyer's advisement, he decided to avoid the trial completely. Drew ended up pleading no contest to two counts of deliberate homicide, for killing 22-year-old Rose Edwards and 21-year-old Daisy Edwards on January 27, 2012. And Judge Mary Jane McCalla Ninsley described the killings as, quote, ritualistic and, quote, systematic, and said, quote, you will be confined and absent from society with a sentence that possibly and hopefully will be the rest of your life. He was given 100 plus 20 for what he did to Rose and Daisy. So one of our first degrees, Kennedy, grew up with Drew, and we asked her what she thought about the sentence. Yeah, 100 years is a long time, but, you know, he deserves it for for what happened. I, you know, there's no excuse for what he did. And, you know, 100 years doesn't bring these girls back to their family and their community. You know, you have to fully understand that he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. And... It's hard, it's hard to understand and it does give you anxiety to think about that. But, you know, I think it's the sentence that he deserved. 
And I think we all understand that even in the conclusion of a trial, even when there's a guilty or a conviction verdict at play, it never fills the void of a loved one that is lost. And that's why murder, we can all agree upon the fact that is the ultimate crime. So I asked Chester what kind of void exists in his life without Rose and Daisy. Oh, yeah. I miss, I miss them all the time. I, uh, they really encouraged me to be uh, be the best I could be. And um, their older brother and I, sometimes I wonder if, uh, if they were still around, if they would have encouraged me to be better than I am now. We had a really fun childhood together. We, we had a lot of fond memories. And um, thankfully, it's something nobody can take away. So clearly, we have two different perspectives here. We have Chester, who is a sibling to Rose and Daisy. We have Kennedy, who essentially grew up within the same sort of household, family friendship, close family friends situation as the Dennings. And we kind of asked them, what do you think about this? How does a person who's never really been in trouble or violent to this degree go from being pretty benign to a double killer? So this is what Kennedy had to say. Yeah, I think that you have to have evil in you to do something like this. Whether you have a mental health issue that's driving it, you have to have some sort of evil in you to do something like this. I mean, they never found the murder weapon, so where did it go? And obviously he knew he had done something wrong because he hid it somewhere and it was never found. He wrapped them up in carpet in the apartment afterwards, so he claims to not remember from being on Ambien, but then he did all these things after to try to conceal what happened and confessed to his girlfriend after that he had done something bad. And I was talking to my brother about the fact that he says he doesn't remember what happened. And, and my brother said that he doesn't, he doesn't think that's true. He thinks he knows what he did and knows that it was wrong. And I think that that was proved when, you know, they tried to get people in there to, you know, do an insanity plea or some sort of a mental health evaluation. And he was found to be in sound mind. Knowing him, you know, I can't unbiasedly say that he's not a monster. He is a monster. I think it's that monstrous act. What he did was absolutely monstrous. And he is, there's absolutely evil in him to have done something like that. But understanding him and viewing him as a monster overall is hard to do when you have this nostalgic childish memory of somebody. I think that addressing his mental health may have been able to prevent this, especially with the fact that he was only out of the psychiatric hospital for two days when this happened. Um, I definitely think that it possibly could have been prevented had he had either access to better mental health or had been taken more seriously when he was in the psychiatric hospital. I don't think, you know, anybody knew quite what he was going through, but I definitely don't think he was ready to be out after, you know, a couple days, especially with the outcome of what happened. And here's Chester. I just, uh, I would uh, encourage communities to be aware, look out for these types of people and look out for these uh, warning signals or signs, and then look out for these people that, like him, that's somewhat of a time bomb, try to defuse that sooner than rather than later. 
We want to give a massively special thanks to Chester for participating in this episode and being so open about such an awful, traumatic tragedy. We are so honored that you let us share this story and we are hopefully honoring Rose and Daisy's memory. And we also want to thank Kennedy because she is the reason we found out about this episode. And if you guys have a story you would like to tell, you can reach out to us at hello at the first three podcast.com. Make sure to join our Facebook group to talk about all things true crime. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek and uh, stick around because we're going to kill some time after this. So remember only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close, but But not not that that close. Brown shoes? Oh, socks day. What? Ted Bundy's socks, socks day. day. Oh, happy socks day. Bye. All right. Welcome to Killing Time. We are continuing to answer your Q&A's. Yes. Um, they're so good. We could do it for hours. Billy is leading it off because he didn't even look at him last time. I did not. But I'm looking at him now. And <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> By you're going to hate these, the ones that I picked, but yeah. Some of these questions are so... You guys are odd. You they're, guys are odd. We're odd? No, no they're, they're, odd. They're, they're odd. Our listeners, I love it because yeah. I love weirdos, but you guys are strange. Yeah. Like for this, which is uh, so, uh, Kat Reichenbach said, if you could be a real witch wizard and go to Hogwarts, but you had to give up alcohol forever, would oh. you? No, no, <laughs> no, but isn't there a spell that we, that you could make yourself Self drunk or just buzzed the entire time? I wouldn't want to be buzzed <sighs> all the time, not the entire time, but just like you know, like buzz if you're when a you wizard, want. you should be able to, yeah, buzz when you want, buzz when you want, yeah, I like, ooh. Goals. Is that Goals. buzz when you want? Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a song. I like that. Next, it's our next song. Our next song. After bitches in the bathroom. Right. Um, so we're that's a collective now. Billy, from you too. Yes. Definitely from Billy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about this. This guy's got like a vodka IV at all times. <laughs> he really does. I feel like out of all of us, I could be the one that could do it and I drink every day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I and don't... I drink the least out of us. Yeah, you do. Drink the least. Yeah, you do. I drink the most, but I can handle it the best. Mm-hmm. The tank. Have you ever seen even a fraction as like... No, here's the thing. You do not show your drunkenness. Period. Billy, I can tell in a microsecond when he is getting buzzed. Because his eyes get googly. <laughs> and he starts slurring his words. He starts smiling a lot. And then he kind of moves slower. Like he gets more gangly. I get more deliberate. Yeah. Less, yeah. less deliberate. You're no, just... I get more deliberate in my movements is what I mean. Just sort of like, you know, I'm just not... Do you like think more about your body but makes your movements more awkward? I don't know. You mean? No. No, <laughs> oh. no. I've had a million people be like, "You don't. You were drunk," and I'm like, "Yes, I didn't know." No, I don't know if I've ever actually. But we're usually drinking together. You know, we might. You know what? I'm going to challenge you guys on this. What? Should we go shot for shot one night? I think we might have to. No, go shot for shot one I will night. not. I can go shot for shot. I actually I can hold that. a lot of liquor. I will not do it because I don't like to be hungover. That's why I drink vodka. Vodka doesn't give me a Take hangover. Yes. Shots. No, we'll do no. vodka shots. Mm-hmm. Shots. 
Uh, uh, mm. I don't no, want fine vodka soda shots. Uh, vodka I, vodka I soda drink... um, shot for shot. You know what I mean? I can drink vodka. Yeah, that's what I do with you guys every night. All right, but we're not necessarily <laughs> measuring what we're doing. This would have to be a scientific test. Yeah. Jared will be the, the, judge. the well, referee listen, slash no, judge. He's gonna do it too. He's gonna do it too. Yes, but I he will start. Hold, here's my thing. I can hold my liquor just as good as Jared can. I can drink just as much as Jared can. I just and he's like twice my size. I can only drink vodka. If I drink anything else, all bets are off. That's why I'm so specific. If I try to deviate, if I did tequila or even wine, like I can do two glasses of wine, three glasses of wine with food or something. Yeah. But to go out, I would be so messed up and have the worst headache. Well, listen, I'm I get I will get hungover after two and a half glasses of wine. That's why I can't like drink that much. Hangovers don't bother me unless if there's not a headache. If there's a headache involved, I'm yeah. so pissed and I just lay in bed miserable. And I just have to I just have to plan my hangovers. Like if I know I'm going to be hungover, then I can drink. And then I'm like just going all off because I know the next yeah. day I'll just be drinking it. And by the way, for headaches, what's your, what's your hangover cure? Two aspirin cure? before bed, right? Is that what you're going to say? No, I was going to say uh, obviously drink a lot. Excedrin in the morning, Gatorade in the morning, and greasy food. Now my hangover cure is only drinking. Alcohol. Mm. No, I Hair of the dog is the only way I can I be on I came up with a really good system. You drink a Gatorade right before you go out. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then when you get home, you drink a Gatorade and take Advil or, or aspirin. Mm-hmm. In the morning, you take Excedrin. You know what? And then you're just like, goal- you feel great. Mm. One thing, Gatorade before bed is key. One thing that I did try recently, I was in Vegas. My friend Bryn had these things called Bitox packs patches like you put them on your body and they're supposed to like sounds like a gimmick it is a gimmick but it also probably is a placebo and it worked it didn't work like listen i cannot not be hungover like i'm if i'm drinking more than two drinks i'm gonna be hungover really but it may i'm like i should be more hungover than i am what is the the hgh sponsor we had a while back H G like H G H from like my favorite haircut like oh. muscle milk. No, H-G-H. like it was the, the growth. You know it was like about? the growth, the human growth hormone. We had a human growth, growth hormone. I don't think so. Yes, we did. We, we did? got. I got. I got the samples, and you were like, we didn't get them. But whatever it was, I can't remember the name of it. Sorry, sponsor. Um, I would take them before I went out, and I was not getting hungover. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. All right. Well, also Gatorade too. If you want to sponsor our podcast, I would love a Gatorade sponsor. Yeah. By human the way, growth hormone will stop your hangover. I, <laughs> is it human? human I, I was hungover. Hormone is what like muscle builders take. I was hungover last I, week, and I went to Taco Cira Bell. Cerevital, Cerevital, Okay, was our sponsor, and they. I was taking their ones without caffeine before I went out, mm-hmm. and I was not getting hungover no matter what I did. That's fun. No, so I was I was hungover, and I went to Taco Bell, and I was like, "Well, what do you have to drink?" You know, because I ordered my like their Baja and everything. Blast would be and good no, but then, but then they said they had the Gatorade G2, which is like the low sugar Gatorade. And oh. I, was, I was so happy. Then I went back the next day. Taco Bell is good. Taco Bell's so good. God, a Crunchwrap Supreme sounds so good right now. So good. God damn it. Okay, one more question. From me? Yeah. All right. Did you have a favorite toy as a child? Lucy oh. Hill asked. Oh and God. do you still have it? I have it. Right, right in my bedroom. What is it? It's this yellow sort of. Uh, it's made of like nylon. It was like made of like what tracksuits are made of. Is it a? It's a puffalump. Yeah, his name is. It's called a puffalump, 
and it's like they had like a whole lots of kids born in my like late 80s vibes would know what these are i don't yes you didn't get one so mm-hmm. and but you said lots of kids i don't know what it is well it's not you but others <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> maybe they're not called puffalums maybe that's just what my mom called it but it was like this yellow cat thing and it had a little ball of hair and like it was like this nylon cat and i have one but I have it hidden in my cabinet because, like, if boyfriends saw it on my bed, they were like, are you fucking kidding me? But and like, I date older guys, so they're always, like, horrified by that. Yeah. Anyways. I had... <laughs> the one thing that I have, it's not a toy, but... So when I was being born, my uncle got my mom, like, a giving birth present, whatever the hell that push, is. Push. A push present. Push gift. Or- and it was, it was this brown little teddy bar teddy bear his name was smiley he's like brown bear with a little white smile on his chest Mm -hmm. and he was like my favorite stuffed animal growing up and i still have him and he's in my room Mm. and my dog ate his nose off when i was in second grade and i thought it was the end of the world like i thought that he maybe it was earlier than second grade because i shouldn't know about like inanimate objects in life Mm -hmm. but um i still have him I did that. I ripped the eyes off my puff lump and my mom sewed googly eyes onto it. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. What was yours, Billy? God, there were just so many. My dad used to always say, so many toys, they back a truck up to your house. Because my dad never got toys growing up, so he overcompensated, Why not? I think. Because he had a horrible childhood. No so, toys? Not yeah. a one? Yeah. Not- he, rem- he remembers actually when his father was in the sanitarium because he had tuberculosis. And that's what they did back then. Is that they, would, they would put you away from your family for like 18 months. His friends from the, from the Navy actually bought my dad and all and all of his brothers like presents and I, he remembers that he remembers getting like these little army men like like the, like a set of little this is army when men you- Oh, your uh, was my dad. grandpa's yeah. friends from yeah, the Navy. Yeah, exactly. Got, okay. So my dad sort of overcompensated and I remember, you know, I just got, you know, just setting up in the basement tons of Star Wars figures, tons of Lincoln logs, tons of Legos and just setting up a whole entire um uh, city that I could live in because uh I was I had no friends and I was just waiting for him to come Aww. home. Yeah. That's really cute. I'm your friend. I know you're my friends now, but that makes me sad. We were not born when but you were a born. Child. <laughs> Why we, we didn't get friends. born for like 15 years? Because I had a the way. I mean, this was like before I was like 10, say. So the way that my house was situated, there was nobody really sort of around us. Yeah. Um, so there was like little pockets of things that I would go to, but the kind of thing that like you would go, go hang out with somebody every day just wasn't there. Yeah. What I about school? Yeah. then you go and go to school. Yeah. I went to school. Did you have friends at school? Like yeah. I had friends at school. Yeah. But, but like where his house, it's like, there wasn't like kids running around. Yeah. Like but it's so like on Saturdays and Sundays and like after school and things like that. Yeah. yeah I get that. Yeah. All right. Well, that was sad. So. Well, Today I lived in the woods and I had friends, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also had a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. And I built like forts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Woods. You built forts in the woods? Yeah. We like thought we were witches when we were young and would like do like seances. Ooh, Dude, I just watched awesome. the new Slenderman uh, special on 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm just never going to go in the woods. I mean, I'd never go in the woods now, but the woods are fucking scary. I love the woods. I love the woods, As too. As a child, they're scared. Well, I didn't grow up around woods. Like, there was no woods in Orange County. My house was, like, in the middle of, like, eight square miles of yeah. woods. I had no neighbors. I had no neighbors, no lights. And I would sneak out of the house and walk through the woods and go to the street. And my driveway was, like, a half a mile long. And I was not scared at all, which is crazy town. Yeah, but when you're a kid, like, you're not scared of anything. Yeah, no. I'm- no, I love the woods. 
I love the woods, but a single woman can't fucking go in the woods alone. You know what's in a lot of woods? Mosquitoes. That's right. (laughs) That's all I remember. Like not in the colds, though. uh, Well, um, in the winter, my my only my only experience in the woods is I'd always go up to upstate New York in the summer. And the woods in the summer in upstate New York, it was mosquito central. No, seriously, it's raining here in Hollywood right now. And as soon as I saw the rain, I'm like, oh, this is nice. And I was like. The still water. <laughs> They're gonna have a resurgence. Yeah, like because we haven't had rain in a minute. No, no, so no. now all this water, they are going to oh, feast on yeah. me. They're having a meeting right now, and they're just like, okay, Alexis is. Oh my god, she's doing her podcast now. I killed Let's two. I bit. killed two this morning. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we'll end on that note. Um, we killed that some show time. Biz. That's why. We, that's what we call a killing time. <laughs> the killing time. You're welcome. <laughs> That's showbiz baby. That is showbiz baby. Baby. All right, Billy. That's showbiz baby. All right, all right, all right. Bye. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.